This is the Hoftime Report with Idaho Freedom Foundation President Wayne Hoffman, one of Idaho's most respected, influential public policy voices. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Hoftime. It's good to be here again. Here with um, Ali Meagle, who's our Operations and Development Director. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Welcome to the program. Thanks. So a lot of our donors get to meet Allie, and of course, um, um, you know, she's probably the face of the organization when folks call up or or um, have questions about this and that and the other thing. But we had an interesting conversation. I've had several interesting conversations. We have interesting I think. conversations. We have interesting <laughs> conversations generally. But um, Allie is a doula also. Uh, well, are, you are. I don't really practice anymore. You don't practice, but, but you, still, you still have the skills. Yeah. We talk a lot in the office about how public policy shapes people's lives. And because of the fact that you have this experience in um, helping women Women, not not couples, not, women, yeah, pe- but not people who identify as women, not and birthing not, persons, not birthing persons. No, I don't give 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 birth. Um, we had a, a topic came up that I thought was really interesting. It had to do with the difference between women who um, go through a natural pregnancy and those who didn't, and the effects on their children. And can you just kind of walk through that a little bit? Because I think it's better to, for you to tell it than for me. Um, okay, so basically, if you haven't heard of what a doula is, a doula is a, a person, typically a woman. That's a Greek word that means mothering the mother. So it's kind of coaching the mother through her childbirth experience, the way she wants to experience it, or the way the couple wants to bring their child into the earth, the world, versus how the medical uh, establishment wants to bring a child into the world. So... Um, medical establishment that's not a kind of pejorative but keep going okay keep so going. I, I the healthcare industry <laughs> the, what do we want to call yeah, it the, the, the medical industrial complex <laughs> yes it is <laughs> yeah. i mean because if you think about um having a baby if you were to go way back in history there were no hospitals right, right. um usually a midwife would deliver the baby in the privacy and comfort of your own home um and there were no um, invasive treatments for mom or baby. Not a lot of medication was used, or if they were, they were natural herbal treatments. Um, and everything was usually done with a midwife, and then the women in the family and whoever, the woman having the baby. And the men weren't really all that involved. Um, but with the medicalization of childbirth, a couple of things happened. Probably most importantly is that it became very expensive to have a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that should be free, um, really, or just natural, became uh, a profitable experience. And it also became very invasive to both mother and baby in terms of what they do to meet protocol in the hospital. So you'll have all sorts of extra things that are typically unnecessary but most people who don't know any better or have never birthed the baby at home think are normal like for instance um having to lay down in a hospital bed right away absolute worst thing you could do when you're in labor you want the baby to come out you you want um that process to go as fast as possible and laying down on your back is probably the worst thing to do but that's what everybody does (laughs) what everybody does wow um and then they usually put 
monitors on the mom and maybe an IV or they'll say, oh, your blood pressure's high, so you need this. And, and it's just one invasive thing after another that ultimately affects both mom and baby, especially when you get into like pain medications like epidural and stuff like that. APGAR scores, which are the tests they give babies as soon as they're born. Um, APGAR. APGAR. I can't tell you what the acronym means right now, but it's basically like four different um, things they test the baby for, like coloring, um, sound, just how they react. And babies who've been um, exposed to maybe uh, Pitocin, which is a synthetic hormone to get your labor going quickly, or an epidural or some sort of saddle block or something that would, you know, help mom cope with pain, it does affect the baby. And they like to say, oh, no, it doesn't. But I've seen it firsthand. Moms who have these types of treatments, their baby's APGAR scores will tend to be lower. So what is that? What, what is that? Because this is really interesting to me um, and from our discussions in public policy um, because we talk about over-medication of the populace generally. But it, now we're talking about what happens when babies are born medicated versus what babies are born unmedicated. And I'm not, obviously, you're not medicating the baby, but medicating the mother, but there's, you're, you're medicating both of them, you're, right? I mean, the, the, the mother is sharing her body with the baby right. and the blood and everything. So prior to that baby being born, everything that the mother gets, the baby eventually so, gets. So you have seen this firsthand, the difference between... Yes, absolutely. So what, what, what does that look like? I, I have seen a baby literally come out and crawl to the mother's breast and begin latching on, and that's totally normal. That, that would, in, in a normal birthing experience without any interventions, unnecessary interventions, I think that would be a very common thing to see. But you don't see it very often in the hospital because I think part of the problem is the doctors are stretched pretty thin. So there's however many women giving birth on one OBGYN level and then, you know, one doctor or two doctors available to, to birth those babies. So they have to move. Mm. And... Um, yeah, so they're in a hurry, and they want to get that baby out, and they want to get mom cleaned up, and they want to move on to the next patient. But in a home birth or a birthing center, it's usually much more relaxed. Nobody's in a hurry. Mom's doing what she needs to do to birth her baby. There's no instructions. as She should be on her back laying in a hospital bed. She can be up, walking, squatting. <laughs> in a tub, whatever she's most comfortable with. Um, but in a hospital, the protocols are different. So they're in a hurry and they want things to go, you know, according to pr their protocol at their convenience. So what's interesting to me about this whole thing is, number one, the cost. So um, half the babies, roughly half the babies in Idaho and across the country are uh, born on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. And being on Medicaid... Based on our research of other kinds of um, medical interventions, um, there seems to be a greater usage of medical interventions for people on Medicaid versus the non-Medicaid, either the uninsured or the privately insured population, because there's a difference between you're going to pay a copayment of some kind or it's just free. So oh, drug me up, you know, bring, pop that baby out and, mm -hmm. and it's not going to cost me anything. And then the second thing is the long-term physical and mental health implications 
do we know what those are? I wish we I, I wish we had like a, a study that we could look at because I'm I'm willing to bet that most um, babies birth on Medicaid uh, are probably um, receiving epidurals and cesareans, scheduled cesareans, because they are a higher ticket item, obviously. Um, and if the money's there, why wouldn't a hospital right. grab it, you know? And I, I started out as a doula um, working uh, for a nonprofit organization called The Up Connection, and it was to help teen moms who were um, pregnant, and um, they they provided doulas for these teen moms. And that was kind of the education. You, you go to the hospital, you get an epidural. Um, epidural often leads to or can lead to a C-section because it slows the labor completely down or stops it in some cases. And if you have a teen mom who's scared to death, probably by herself, doesn't have a lot of family support or the support of the father, they're going to do what they're told. They don't know. They don't know any different. So they're mm-hmm. doing what they're told, and they don't ever think to, oh, I don't, have to, I don't have to do this. I don't have to expose myself or my baby to this. But they don't know because nobody tells them. So I'm willing to bet. I haven't seen a study. or I don't know, but I'm willing to bet that. Um, Medicaid childbirths are as expensive as they possibly can be and totally unnecessary, especially if you're talking about teen moms because <laughs> they can probably have a baby easier than mm. any woman, any age, you know. And, and I was looking for just also some data on is there a difference physically or mentally in children born un- with some kind of medical intervention versus not. There's a lot of research out there about the impacts on the mother. Um, but there's not a lot um, about the impact, on, at least not that I can find anyway, on, on, the, on the child. And you kind of wonder if there's some long-term impact that we just don't know about or understand. Well, in the demographic that I'm talking about, a lot of these um, moms are on WIC Mm-hmm. Are in some kind of public assistance, so mm-hmm. they have to do well baby checks, and this kind of all goes back to what happened with um, Diego Rodriguez's family, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. those babies have to meet certain requirements to be considered healthy, and if they don't, then the state can intervene and take those babies. But if you're talking about a population who's not well educated or maybe ignorant just because they don't know, they're kind of at the whim of this system that. They tell you if your baby's healthy or not. And in that case, that baby, they were saying he had low birth weight. But I saw that baby. He seemed completely healthy and mm-hmm. happy and functioning and vibrant. And maybe he was a little baby, but his parents were smaller stature. Right. So naturally, he's going to be a smaller baby. So who, who's to say? I mean, these folks that are doing the well baby checks, they, they get to call that. Will we ever know? Will we ever get accurate studies? I don't even know. Yeah, and that's also another interesting thing, too, because um, people discount sort of that early experience for children um, when they don't really supposedly remember stuff. You know, I don't remember being two years old. I don't know that you remember remember being two. Do you? I have. I think my earliest memory is 18, 18 months. No kidding? Yes. That's a little unusual. Yeah. I, I remember. What do you I remember? Was, what do you remember? I was holding a bottle, 
and I was walking across this bridge, and I could see in between the slats in the bridge, and I was, ter- I remember being terrified oh. and like grabbing my mom's leg to wow. get picked up because I didn't want to, I didn't want to <laughs> cross that bridge. It looked scary to me. So yeah, I was young. So mine is, I, th- I think I was probably three. I'm guessing. But I think I tend to think that kids retain a lot more than we give them credit for, and that I mean, there's there's something to them from the moment that they're born, mm-hmm. and all that is stuff that they carry through the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, whether they're born through a cesarean section or they're or a vacuum or a vacuum of some kind, process. which is another thing too. You know, it's um, sort of the scheduling of of births by convenience and, and my kids were born that way um you know just show up on this and this time and How at this, and this date and then we'll if it if, if you're not ready we'll put some um uh, pitos, what's it called pitocin. pitocin in and um and then we'll grab the vacuum if nothing's working quite right and yeah it's so it's very barbaric process practice if you've ever seen a, a force up birth or a vacuum birth it's ter- it's terrifying mm. to watch yeah uh what it does to the baby and the mom i've seen horrible horrible things happen at, the, as a result the reason why we're having this conversation this might seem a little different from other <laughs> uh, topics that we've talked about before but i just found it so fascinating like i said as public policy practitioners you want to ask questions about the effects of the different things that you're doing. And, and as Thomas Sowell had, has said, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. So what are the trade-offs for this system of convenience? And, 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 and the second thing is, so when you, when you also, interestingly, has been in the news, but only recently in the news, we've been talking about this a lot longer. There have been some articles saying that different hospitals, uh, there's one in North Idaho, another one a little farther south, that aren't going to be doing uh, labor and delivery. And, and my understanding is that, that there have been, in fact, had dinner with some folks last night who said that there hasn't been um, a bona fide hospital in his area for many years, and they ship people to other parts of the state to get different kinds of treatments done. But it's sort of the scary thing. Oh, my gosh, the hospital's not doing labor and delivery, but... They never should have been. <laughs> I, I why are they doing... some why? instances where uh, medical in- intervention may be um, necessary, okay? I, I, I do believe that, um, but I think it's far and few between. And I think a lot of the reasons that medical procedures like that are necessary are because of some of the things they do to the mom as soon as she gets to the labor and delivery unit. I mean, there there's some invasive stuff going on. Like I said, the first thing they do is put you in bed. You, you should be up walking around and moving around and um, gra- letting gravity do its job. And if you're laying on your back, that's not helping at all, probably, um, in any way, shape, but or see, form. Now, some people would think that we've come a long way with labor and delivery from where we were you know, 60 years ago, where yeah. they, they put you on a gurney, and it was a very... It was very barbaric then, too, because they used, and you know, like back in the 50s, the twilight drug, where they basically knock mom out. Mm. And um, they, they rob... Watching your baby be born is a very beautiful thing it's a you're welcoming a child into your life and your family and and um, most people anticipate that for a long long time so if you're robbed of that experience it's got to be traumatic for all parties involved both the parent and the baby yeah 
It's all that bonding, everything that happens minutes after birth is so, it's so important. And it's a beautiful process. Natural. It's, it's, it's natural. It's human. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. part of who we are. I, this is a topic I just want to explore a bit more as time goes on because, again, it's um, uh, as public policy researchers, the questions you, you would ask are, is it more expensive? Is it necessary? Is there some other impact that we don't quite understand? Um, is there, and I'm not saying by any way, shape, or form, that if you're, if you're, if you're born... Um, uh, you know, in a way that's less natural that you're going to have mental health problems or physical problems. But these are things we don't fully understand what what takes place over the course of many years um, and what the impacts are from the moment you're born, what, what those things are that carry on through the rest of your life. So I just thought it was an interesting topic and one that you have some expertise in that the rest of us maybe don't. And so I wanted to Thank you. Give you a chance to talk about that a little yes. bit. It, it is interesting. And, um, I mean, you're setting a, a lifelong precedence, I think, when you're you're born into that medical system. You always are, I think, because your mom and probably her mom and her mom before her believed that that's the way it was supposed to be yeah. done. So you just always go to a doctor whenever you need anything. And, right. and maybe we don't explore other options because that's just so available, readily available to folks, especially on Medicaid. They they don't have to pay for it, right? So why wouldn't they just go get it fixed from and, a doctor? And even people who, you know, like I said, um, you know, my, my kids were born and my, my daughter was born in Burley and my son was born in, in Boise and... Um, uh, we never thought twice about going to a hospital. It was just that's what you did. You just, where are you? Well, we're in we're in Burley. We go to casual at ca- that was called Casual Regional Medical Center at the time, and of course in in Boise at St. Luke's, where many 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 babies have been born. And I'm not saying that that's you know not right for some people, but the question is, given the fact that. Throughout human existence, we seem to have done just fine. And mammals in yeah, the wild all the time don't go to a hospital what to have their babies, and they often have litters of babies. Right <laughs> for some some reason, it's this whole big to do that requires. Why you wouldn't know, it? Money's involved. Multiple multiple teams of nurses and doctors mm-hmm. and drugs, business. and it's it's a big it's big yeah, business, it's a big and business. it's part of yet again another example of the medical industrial complex in in my view anyway and i believe you feel that as I, well. I do and i i know personally know um nicu nurses and OBGYNs that i have a tremendous amount of respect for um but that's what they were educated to do to work mm-hmm. for this system um it would be nice if they were all midwives you know and <laughs> well it could a, assist women at home it's, it's the same as you know what i hear from other medical practitioners about um, pharmaceuticals generally you mm-hmm. know you go to a doctor's office and you have a stomach ache or you know hangnail or whatever it may be and they hand you some kind of a pill and um, there's so many things out there that are just natural and of course if you were living you know not not so long ago and for much of human history there wasn't a pill there's you you understood how to get different leaves and herbs and different kinds of foods and you make the thing that would solve solve your problem and again which is not to say that there's not some benefit to aspects of modern medicine but the question is have we come so far that we're not examining the other effects on people's 
mental and physical health by virtue of taking medical interventions that may not otherwise be necessary when there's so much natural stuff that's still out there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's all. That was fun. I just wanted to get that off get that off <laughs> that our chest. And it was very easy. <laughs> Thanks again for watching, and uh, stay tuned. You never know what you were going to be talking about here on this program <laughs> on the Hot Time Report. Until next time. Thanks Hi, for watching. Everybody. You've been listening to the Hoff Time Report with Wayne Hoffman. Be sure to visit IdahoFreedom.org for Wayne's articles, IFF research, and show notes from today's episode. 